Yeah, there's this part in um in the big book. In, you know, in the big book, this came out for people who don't know. Came out in like '39, I think, and it was basically the first palpable like thing an alcoholic could grab onto. There was some articles in a famous magazine that got people interested in it, so they put out a book so that you could you know, order it, and then you could sort of maybe identify if you had the problem or not, they would describe it. Yeah, so, and that would be the beginning of the possibility of something different. So so he's, he's basically, it's a lot of, about introduction, so he's introducing this idea to people who are agnostic, because it sounds like it's very, quote-unquote, God-oriented, has a Christian flavor to it. Maybe that door is locked. Yeah, maybe you should keep it open a little bit. Or I can unlock it. Whatever, but so he's explaining, he's trying to be very, he's trying to make it very, very open so that anybody who had certain considerations maybe would be able to put them aside and, and, you know, listen to what they're saying, which is there is a solution to this dilemma. So here it is, it's on page 53, in this we agnostic, so you just spend a couple of pages talking about, uh, you know, the failedness of the system of self, basically, like relying on thought, relying on reason, has brought you to this point of being probably close to or in pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. So he's attempting to show you, he's attempting to put the crumbs you know, on a trail you've already been to, and maybe when you look back, you can sort of see what's going on. So, because people have a lot of ideas of faith, yeah? So usually it turns into a faith, like a religion, you know, a faith like Islam or Judaism or Catholicism. But faith is is a force of mind that's active all day, every second of the day, yeah? A force of mind, big M mind, not the mental state, but it, sometimes it's siphoned through the mental state. So that's how it gets misdirected in a sense. So there's this force of mind. So he says here, without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood, meaning being fucked, basically, yeah, by a certain kind of faith. For did, so what kind of faith? So he says, for did we not be- believe in our own reasoning? or in our own perceptions, or our, our own thoughts. First of all, they're not our own. That's what causes you to believe them so much, is that you're identified <coughs> with the perceptions and the thoughts, the reasonings and the feelings. You feel they're yours, and that's what that's the real transfer of faith into a system, yeah? is that you believe it's you. So he says, did we not have confidence in the ability to think? Had... had we had, we had been faithful, objectively faithful to the God of reason. So we, we were trusting a failed system called self-centeredness. Yeah? We had faith in it, and that's what actually gave the, the system the power to defeat us. Yeah? So one thought for some people can ruin their whole day. They can have plans for this, they, this picnic, and they've got all the condiments, and they've made sure there's not going to be any ants there, and they got the girl or the boy, and then they just have one thought, and it can ruin their whole day. The thought can't ruin a day. The thought can be used to ruin a day. 
it has to be given meaning, or it has to have a force it doesn't, it can't produce on its own. A thought is just a thought, but in relation with us, it can have a powerful influence. Yeah, that's faith. That's faith, not a faith. Faith. So he says, yes, we had been objected. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. And all the time means now. (laughs) Not all the time in this weird example of 1935, but all the time, all the time. So faith is this huge force that is producing tons of effects that we seem to be the consequence of, and we have very little idea how it's happening. So in recovery, they say, sooner or later, first the drinking and the using, which is just symptoms, yeah? That has to be sort of addressed because it's clouding everything up so much. You're on such a consequential level, court cases and shit like that, you have no other time to pull your head out of your ass, basically. You know, you've got to get all this shit dealt with. So the drinking and the using has to stop, and then you can get to the exact nature of wrongs, and to me, the exact nature of the wrong, and it, there isn't even, it's not even a wrong, it's just what is. The exact nature of it is identification as a self. That, that sense that's being produced, the sense is not natural. It's piggybacking on the sense of being conscious. As consciousness vibrates in this flute, we call that me. We think that signifies me, which is a mental idea. So the body sense of being on is being used to validate this mental idea of who is it that's on. That's the freaking craziness. And then faith in that just promotes all the other shenanigans that we seem to be under. If you get to the exact nature of the wrong, you'll find yourself right there. (laughs) It can go sort of either way here. If there's faith in the thought system, you're going to have a lot of anxiety. You're going to have a lot of anxiety about what's not happening. And it's going to can be so strong that it will cloud what's happening. So you will, quote-unquote, miss the, the situation that you can knock the out of. That's incredible to me. That's incredible faith. You know, they have a, one of the greatest examples... It's getting hot here. One of the greatest examples in religion with Jesus Christ was like he brought some guy from the dead, Lazarus, right? He he resurrected him and that was an incredible miracle that would stir faith in his message. But in fact, we're miracle workers all day because at least Lazarus was alive at one time and he was brought back. We're making shit out of nothing all day. We're making turmoil out of nothing. There's no apparent threat right at this minute, but we're reacting to a to an idea of yesterday and tomorrow, and the faith in that idea is strong enough to produce an effect here. The idea is not strong enough because one person can have the same idea move through their head has no effect. Another person the same idea puts a stop to their whole day. So it's obviously not the thought. Obviously, it's not the feeling. Obviously. It's something else, some intangible, something that we're not seeing clear enough that's playing a huge role in using that thought to facilitate an effect. It has to be. If you want to investigate, all you need, if you see just one sentence 
one 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 stretch of selfing it explains everything. You'll see its whole intent. The selfing is all about you in yesterday and tomorrow, and it's entertaining all that now because it can never it never ever. It can't erase and it can't break the constraints of nowness. It's never going to escape now. But what it can do, it can get so obsessed in yesterday and tomorrow, it'll be seen, it will seem to, it will seemingly look like you're not here. It can't produce it, it cannot make you disappear, but it can make you seemingly not be here because your attention and interest is so, so caught up in yesterday and tomorrow, you don't even feel like you're here today. Yeah. And then the weirdest thing is, all week, you're bitching up, you can't wait for the weekend, and when you arrive at the weekend, all you think about is the week. <laughs> Or the week ahead or the week back. You never seem to find yourself on the square that you're in because we never look down. We never see where our feet are and say, Jesus, here. Yeah? Because all the shenanigans haven't changed one freaking thing except how you feel, how you travel, how you, how you sense things. It can change that dramatically, but basically it can't change the day. It can't change... There's no... This party of Saturday is not going to be crashed by Tuesday, last Tuesday. It's not going to come rushing in here and dominate the Saturday that we seem to be in. All right, I'm here. It's Tuesday. Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday. I've been worried about it coming the whole week. Ah, do you see your role in it? Tuesday finally showed up because you were, oh, is that the nature of the wrong you? Yes. There isn't any Tuesday. But Tuesday to ride in here and take a big dump, <laughs> you have to be totally engaged in the belief of Tuesday. When, and if that's one example, now you see that you pledge allegiance to time. Now time, past and future, is more important than now. I don't give a shit what you say. All the idea of trying to get into the moment is a pledging allegiance to time because you think you can be out of a moment. The whole big, the whole subdivision of, of spirituality getting into the moment is predicated on an insane idea that is totally, completely impossible that you and I could be out of any moment we're in. There's no freaking way. There's no way. There is no moment without us. But then, see, the insane idea, and you didn't have it when you were a kid. When I was playing, I was not worrying what I'd be playing next week. I wasn't. And when I was playing, I didn't go home and critique my playing and think, you know, Wayne was playing a lot better than I was there in that sand pit. And what the fuck? i got to get my game up. No, none of that was going on. I didn't think my mother was ugly if she was huge and obedient. I just loved her. You know, I didn't think my room was small. I should have gap clothes or anything like that. None of that was going on. It hadn't formulated yet. So we have, if you want to pin you as a body, even as seeming the body, we've had a ton, a wealth of experience of timelessness. Yeah? Of being free from the bondage of self. And then what was there when that bondage of self seemingly wasn't there? 
wonder and awe, spontaneity, emotions would you flip out and then unflip out in a second, you'd be totally crazy, and then two seconds later you'd have joy. All this was going on. You were like a giant thoroughfare with no fucking policemen directing the traffic. Stop! It just was just going. You were just on. Even watch kids, little babies, they're flipping. Their body hasn't dealt hasn't developed enough to to direct the consciousness that's just exploding out of them. Yeah. And so, oh, we have five gates. We could have 30 gates, and we'd, be, we'd have 30 conscious experiences. We could have 60 gates built in, and we'd have 60 conscious experiences. There's no limit on consciousness. There's just limit on the gates. Yeah? We have seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling, whatever. Some insects supposedly have seven sense gates. So they're having a much more kaleidoscopic experience of this place than we are. First of all, there isn't of this place. It's all a dream. Yeah? So if you can see, if you can see, see, to me, entertaining means a lot of things. And one of them is simply like this. Let's say you hear a statement credited to a famous old Zen master, Huang Po, which says, whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. Yeah. Now let the mind roll around with that. Yeah? Just, oh, I know that. No. Just say with that, what the fuck does that entail? That means every you that I'm looking at isn't what's looking back at me. <laughs> every you I can perceive. Yeah? And he's saying, whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving, so you are not what's looking back at me. First of all, you're not even looking back. You're just looking, and I seem to be in front of you. And there's no me, but let's, let's use the example. Yeah? So, that little statement can download tons and tons of, like, scriptural, high-level pages of information to mind. Mind can take a, can produce a whole crop out of one little seed. One little seed, supposedly the third, uh, I think it was the third or second patriarch of Zen, he was illiterate, he heard a guy chanting this uh, sutra, I think it was the heart sutra, one thing, just one phrase and he woke up. One little bit, one little hat, like four words, boom, his mind just went boom, around it. That's sort of, it's sort of like, you know, those chia things? You put that in, they just grow. The mind is like that. You put an idea in there, let it entertain it. Yeah? Because most of us, our mind has been put into a closet. It's like a marathon runner. We've locked it into a closet of yesterday and tomorrow. The world is real. I am real. This is real. That is real. And the poor fucker is just running around in circles, entertaining the same shit. How do I look? <laughs> is my IRA strong enough for constantly it's entertaining like crazy but it's it's entertaining it's in like a a matchbox of a, a stadium like about 20 feet to center field you know what I mean <laughs> I'll be okay I will be okay <laughs> this, is, this is a much more expansive possibility and so the things that have lasted for thousands, you know, supposedly thousands of years, these little snippets, because they trigger or they incite a mind that's ready to see and hear. And I believe the mind's always ready to see and hear because it's not, it's, it's, its readiness isn't based on any process in time, it's inherently ready. 
It's awareness isn't something that you have to work on. It is aware. <clears throat> when we think about awareness, we think we're going to do awareness because we think we are something. But awareness is aware. There's no doing at all involved in it. That's its nature. Its nature is to be that. Yeah? There's no doer or doing going on. There's just being. Mind is like that. Mind is just wide open, always available at all times. And what happens is it's like that story of a <coughs> that huge camera which has unbelievable 360 degrees <coughs> width of its aperture. It can take in every fucking color, scene or unseen, everything like that. It's just just unbelievable. And then it's walking around and sees a small camera, a very small camera, like a little old Browning or something, you know, that's been in the closet for a while. And it looks into that small camera, and suddenly a miraculous thing that has never happened seems to occur. It be- identifies with the small camera. So it, here's its power looking through a very small lens that's like yellow tinted and everything. So now it sees everything and it thinks everything's yellow. It doesn't realize it's the lens that's making everything seem yellow. It thinks everything's yellow. And then it forgets, not completely, but it forgets its hugeness by being identified with the small camera. Yeah? It's still seeing, but it's seeing as being directed through a very, very biased lens, like ours. Ours is being directed through self-centeredness. So how we view this dream is we think it's real and solid and it's happening to us. That's called self-centeredness, yeah? So we don't have a sense of life happening. We have an interpretation of life's happening to me, which is totally different than life's happening. It's, it's based on the same event, life happening, but it's totally different. One's a living, one's a being, one's a, a timeless event, the other one is an interpretation. Yeah. It's like a slavery to the big camera. And now maybe it wants, maybe it starts having a longing to be free of the small camera, but it's always, always squelched because it's identified as the small camera, so now it starts trying to be free as the small camera when that freedom is from the small camera. If the lens just backed off, it would see the camera that it was looking through. It would see it. It would see this body as something other than itself. But right now, it seems to be taking itself to be the small camera, so it's putting up with all this malaise and discomfort because it thinks it can't change the basic fact, but the fact ain't a fact. You're not that. You're not that. So when realizations happen, there's realizations that can easily be captured by selfing, and selfing's main movement is the claim. Selfing is what... Ramana Maharshi, in my sense, selfing is the activity that reinforces this statement by Ramana Maharshi. If I can find it, then we can. And that statement is the presupposing of a non-existent thing that wants to get salvation for or as that non-existent thing. Yes? This presupposing, and it's an incredible word, because supposing wasn't enough. Presupposing when the supposing occurs and the mind takes the baby, then the presupposing of you as a body occurs. You now believe you are a historical body, that you were there before this moment, and you're definitely going to be there after this moment. 
and therefore you're worthy of occupation, you're worthy of worry, you're worthy of being obsessed, because that's you. Yeah? That presupposing is the first movement of the selfing. It cl- by claiming the thoughts, it uses the thought system to imply the thinker. Yeah? Or the thought about. It doesn't matter which one. It's going to objectify that which cannot be objectified. It's going to make you a something. It's going to use the feelings, by the word my in front of them, to imply the feeling. That's what's going to happen. So, I have total immunity to Chris's feelings, but the same feelings could destroy my day. What's the difference? They're both a similar feeling, but one's held as mine, and one's seen as his. That's how it goes. That's the bondage of self. So, to me, the selfing does exactly this. It presupposes the existence of a non-existent thing. This thing does not exist without life moving through it. Without consciousness, or everybody you want to call it, the prana, the force of life, this has no existence in and of itself. It's being fired up. It's being fueled by something. Yeah? And that something is not a body. It cannot be seen. Yeah? But by noticing what you're not, you'll get an intimation of what you are. You're never going to be able to turn around and see what you are because you can't. It's not a thing. But you can get to the point of realizing the last thing on all the blocks is this. By realizing you're not this, you'll get a sense of what you are by the seeing of what you're not. So realization is easy. Oh, I had this incredible realization. Yes. At the, at the retreat. And I would even say it was sort of bordering on an epiphany. It was very close. But I've had epiphanies before. Look at my spiritual mantle. I had this epiphany in Bali in 1987. I had witnesses. I was me itself for about seven hours. Beautiful drops on leaves, just with worlds in them and everything. Oh, it was really awesome. Yes, I came two out of that. And, uh, <laughs> I was here. There's a couple other minor ones. Well, let's not talk about that. <laughs> so this is a realization of how clear I am, everything like that. And of course, it's produced by years, the years I've been sitting, the years of looking at that wall paid off. I now whatever. You know. Okay. So, but what happens is, if you entertain this possibility, this could possibly happen. Is the realization goes like this: Whoops! Now you're seen. <laughs> the one who thought it had all the epiphanies is seen. Yeah. The one who had all the realizations is seen. You see this that you were claiming to be you. And it's obviously not, because you have the sense of the seeing of it. <laughs> so, whoop, yeah, the gig's up now, and basically, if you had a spiritual career, it's over. <laughs> if you were thinking you were going to be a circuit speaker in some, some program, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Or you're believing you're bringing the good news to many people, you may be met with disdain and fucking reluctance, and even venom many times. And uh, you'll probably be in a little holed-up place in Marin City, with <laughs> like-minded people on a Saturday, where most people would think they have a lot better things to do than come here. And they're probably right. They have a lot better things to do, because this, this isn't about doing. This is about nothing. And nothing isn't really particularly that interesting. 
Unless, you know, unless you find out. Because many of us have collected tons of somethings, and what have they added up to? Nothing. So why not stay at nothing and see what happens? Stay with nothing and see what happens. If you give it a little time, it may start producing interesting effects here. It may sort of leak into the story. It may erode it. It's sort of like a new color will appear through the canvas, not you applying it to the canvas. Yeah? And then you'll see, just with that one new color, the whole movie of your life or mural of your life makes a different sense now. It's just with that one new color added, you realize. And then what happens, which is disturbing to many, but it's not you that's being disturbed, is that your interest and attention will probably be shifted to many different things and maybe no thing. Yeah? So you'll seem to lose interest in a lot of things that you thought made you who you were in this life. Because if they were making you a you, but it wasn't who you are, they were making a you, though, or they were being used to, and your interest and attention may be redistributed by a much wiser, let's say, uh, navigational system. Yeah? And then you'll find out if it works or it doesn't for you. Some people get bored quickly because they realize, shit, there's nothing to get here, and it's not a spiritual spectacle. There's no spectacle to it. And it's not a good business plan because there's really nothing to do. I mean, it would be unbearable to hear me all day, ten days a week, for what a retreat. Fuck, you'd have to have it in a nice place where you kayak and get massages and shit. You'd have to add shit because ten days of nothing like this would be unbelievable. It would be very trying for all of us, me especially, because I don't want to see you for ten days. I don't want to have to feign like I'm one of you and have to meditate for twelve hours. I'd rather lay down and take a nap. <laughs> I would. I mean, <laughs> I don't believe, I have faith in mine. I don't think we need to be bludgeoned. I think we just need to be invited. And then if, if the mind's curious, it'll add on all the stuff that needs to be added on, which is the interest and the attention. This is just an invitation. It's just an envelope and a plane and one too. And then if you open up, there'll be nothing. And it'll be, it'll be so nothing, you won't throw it away. And that's, then it takes root. And nothing now becomes an influence in one's life. And now that thing they talk about in A, and you, an unsuspecting inner resource is now suspected. You suspect the inner resource, and the inner resource starts expressing externally. And you can see its fingerprints. You can recognize its, its name at the bottom of the check. You can start seeing the choreography of this whole dream. And, you know, it brings you, uh, to me, it just touches you with a lightness. Not you that you are, but you that you're not. It allows, it allows the, the, you know, this, the brain and the body to travel lighter here. And then maybe you'll be put to use also. You know, you'll see that it's truly like this. It's more like this than anything else. It's like this is a flute, let's say, and big M minds playing all of us. And if you, you know, we all have a different amount of holes, so we produce a different thing. But if you listen to all the notes and all the music, you'll see the one. You know, not see the. There isn't the one, but you'll get the sense of. There's only one wind blowing through all the flutes. You know? And it's not even a one wind. There's only that. 
And in that, you find a true purpose, and you find your seat assignment also. You get you're led there. You know, you're not you're not looking for it. You just you find out you're sitting in it. <laughs> but then again, the music goes on. It's like musical chairs. You make it up, and it doesn't matter how many times the music stops in front of the same chair. It still doesn't mean it's your chair. <laughs> You're more like a squatter. You're ready to move at any minute. <laughs> but it produces an ease and comfort like 50 Thai massages can't produce. You'll exhale, you know. I mean, a real deep exhale. It's like putting down the, putting down the weight. And the funny thing is, you realize there was never a you to pick up the weight. That's the weight. The putting down doesn't come from putting down. It comes from realizing you never picked anything up. The greatest way out is to realize you're not in. It's the only way that works, really. Everything that gives relevance to the in, yeah, all those outs just reinforce the reality of the in. They will. The mental state will use it that way. It doesn't matter how quick you think you are, you're not quicker than the mental state if you're a product of the mental state. The product of the mental state is never going to outdraw the mental state. And you and I are mental product as an interpretive vehicle. We are. And we're never going to outgun it. But there's something, there's an inherent quality that we're available to. We are. And that's timelessness, and it can never be outdrawn. So, yeah. I don't believe any practice is going to get behind the idea of the practitioner. I think the practitioner will be made out of all the practices. Yeah, the mental state will claim the meditation and imply the meditator. And I do not believe that you can meditate yourself out of the meditator. You can only see you're not a meditator. Yeah, so that's the way to get out of it, is realize you're not in it. And the same thing with bondage of self. The freedom from bondage of self is prior to the bondage, not after the bondage. You see that this fucking never happened. It's impossible. It's an impossible thing that an activity can override what is. An activity that what is is entertaining can never override what is. And there's only one reality here, and it's looking out of us right now. Yeah? And nothing's going to give that a fucking meaning. That's going to stick. It's meaningless. It's not of this place. It cannot be found here. It can be expressed here. Yeah. So, just changes everything. It changes the, like the, let's say that first step because if the first step is a little off it doesn't matter how many steps you take they're going to reinforce the little miscalibration until it seems to be a huge gulf you know and you can't correct that up here by taking steps because there'll still be uh, the direction of these steps going backwards will be still be given the meaning of the, the steps from this misstep but prior to the misstep, prior to the seeming pickup, there's the solution. And from the solution's point of view, there isn't a real problem. It's an activity. Everything here is an activity. And there's one that's ex expressing itself as activity, but is not activity. And that's what we are. Yeah? 
And by seeing the activity, then the activity cannot be used to grow a noun, because that's what it's doing, isn't it? Selfing is an activity that produces or presupposes or infers or implies there's a noun somewhere, that you're there. That's all it's doing. It's just making a little bit of a conjecture, a little bit of like, oh, it could be, and then the mind just holographically pictures you as a body. And now you're saddled with an interpretation from the body's point of view. Some people do well with it, I guess. I don't know. Some people don't. It causes them a lot of distress. And some of us do a lot of drugs and alcohol to get relief from that. Some of us do sex. Some of us eat a lot. Some of us shop a lot. There's a lot of ways it's trying to get out of itself. And none of them can possibly work because self can't get out of self. You can't transcend an imaginary place. You cannot get out of something you're not in. It's impossible. You can blame yourself and you can blame the formulas, but in fact, you can't escape from an imaginary place. And that's what comes over you. So, the solution, when the problem is seen from the solution, there is no real problem, and then the solution disappears. And there you are. Nothing. Nothing is left and nothing is everything. And then you go have a coffee or whatever, you know, go to the store, or do this, it doesn't matter. It's like Zen said, first there is the mountain, and then the great joy, there is no mountain. Woo! Great. But ah, shucks, there is a mountain. <laughs> That's the part we don't like. We want the first two parts. First there is a mountain, then there is no mountain. But then the third one comes in inconveniently, and then there's a mountain. <laughs> You mean it didn't change anything? Exactly. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. So do I. I thought I have a loving gaze by now. I thought people would sense my aura of presence from afar. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, bro. You came in too late. You missed it. You missed the message. <laughs> Come back next week. <laughs> and week and week. Sign up for the intensive. You'll definitely get it then. If you don't get it this, the intensive should be able to polarize it into you. Does your conscious sense right now, yeah, something, there's seeing, isn't there? Hearing, feeling, taste. We're not, oh, I got, oh, guys, I haven't been aware I've been hearing them. I'm hearing them. We've got to be aware of all these things, tasting. No, it's just on, isn't it? Does it exhibit any thought or effort whatsoever? Has it ever exhibited any thought or effort? Then why do we believe thought and effort can bring us there? It's insanity. That which, <laughs> it's like its calling card is in every moment for our seeming living existence, and we're missing the invitation, because the mental state has said, it implies I'm the seer, I'm the hearer, I'm the feeler, I'm the taster, I'm the toucher, so it neuters the verbing of seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, which are just, it's like a blatant invitation of what you are in expression, yeah? And yet we miss it all day. We miss it so bad, we'll read 900-page book on consciousness <laughs> while we're conscious. I mean, Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> why? Why would I? It just makes no fucking sense. Or the whole dilemma with gravity. People never bitch about gravity. They bitch about the steep hill or the rocky terrain up the coast that they had to walk. But it was all gravity that produced the effect on the body. Yeah. But and then there's books. You can read books on gravity. I mean, 800 pages. You can do seminars on gravity. You can become an expert on gravity. But what's the best way? Just go into an anti-gravity chamber, and now you'll know the effects of gravity by their absence. Yeah? The whole effect of gravity will be explained in a momentary experience of its absence. Better than 900-page books, better than eight years' dissertations with theses on gravity... Much better than that. Just a total finding out what it is by having the experience of its absence. Well, here you go. It's the same point with this message. When you get out of the obsession with self through service or something else, what happens for most people? When they get out of themselves, they feel bigger. You know, oh, I felt much more spacious. And then what's that but available? You know, they feel... And then in that availability, what becomes available? Presence. They sense their own presence. They may call it a God or a higher power or the Spirit, but you're that. <laughs> you're smelling your own sweat, basically. Thinking, oh, it's that guy next to the locker next to me. But it's your sweat, you know. And then what happens? Oh, the mental state arises and says, I just had this incredible experience of presence. Then you're up the ass of self, seemingly again, and then you've got to do something like service. You know, to become what? To become available to what? Presence, which is you. What happens if the time when the presence becomes noted, or you find out, and then you watch the mental state run back into the one who had the experience of the presence, and you don't follow it, you stay in the presence, it may dawn on you, you're the presence. Yeah? And in that, what happens? That means you're always available, yeah, and that you're of service. That's like a quantum leap. Instead of doing something that initiates a sense of being out of self, now you have a state of being out of self as the common norm, yeah, and then expressing that through all these activities. Instead of using an activity to have an experience of it, now your activities are being used to express the state of it. That's a possibility. People aren't entertaining. They, they keep it the same old, same old. You go to recovery meetings and sometimes you hear people share, oh, it's amazing how everyone thinks just like I do here. And everyone feels just like I do. And, so, and some of you have done the heinous things that I did. You know, because that's the whole case of terminal uniqueness, that no one thinks like you, no one feels like you, no one's done the things you've done. And they're right at the cliff, and I love just to fucking kick them over. And then they're right there, and then suddenly the, the, the gravitational pull of self sucks them back up the ass, and they totally, the commonality of the expression is missed, and then now they're thinking, oh, I just feel great here. They, they missed it. If someone else has your thoughts, they can't be yours. <laughs> if someone keeps wearing your pants, they're not your pants. <laughs> it's got to make the leap. 
you know, why just, all right, you get right to the fence, and oh, it looks really nice here, can I take a vacation, can I get a ticket, can I read something about it, instead of just abandoning yourself, yet you go back off, and then, oh, it's safe now, Paul, yes, Paul, 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 <laughs> you know, then something without any intention your part brings you to the brink again oh I long for this brink I wish I would do it alright fucking fall oh no I don't think I'm ready to receive what's offered by the cliff what's that but meant the mental state playing God call a spade a spade you'll see it you know I don't know it's like a slavery and we're in cahoots and a lot of it's agreement. We sit and we agree with it like in a complicity, a, a silent com- complicity. We agree. Let's just keep it like this. We have our little practices. It's like a great guy, Wilhelm Reich, once called it the emotional plague of man. And uh, he says everyone has this plague. I would say it's like the parasite of selfish. And we all have these stories that we do anything to get out of it, but no one wants to get out of it, really. So we build, like, institutional religions to point out of the trap, but none of us really want to go out of the trap. We just want to feel better in the trap. (laughs) And so what we have to do in this condition is we have to murder the Christ. That was the name of the book. And so we're murdering the Christ in us all day, and in our children through the educational system, everything like that. And it's basically, it's like a giant hoax. Yeah? We, we feign a desire to be free, but we don't want to be free. We want to be free as that which can't be free. Yeah? So we have to make ideas of freedom, how it would look if I was free. I'd be driving a BMW, a convertible, the day would be sunny, I'd have a beautiful woman next to me, a nice, you know, organic, vegan meal made by Whole Foods, fresh juices, and now that, that's freedom. No, that isn't fucking freedom. Yeah? It's a fucking mental idea of freedom. It's nice, it's comfortable, but it ain't freedom. Yeah? So now, because we don't want something that we already inherently are, we have to make up replicas of what we think it would look like to what we want to be, which is this. So it mean I'd be never sick. Yeah? Never age. My lip, my... No lines, my lips would be plump, and my teeth would be super white, unnervingly so, you know. It's fucking scary. They shouldn't be that white. It's like they never ate anything. So it's like, you know? And then, all right. And so it gets, it gets aborted and turned mutated. So we have these ideas that, if, that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more important how you look than how you feel. That used to always flip me up. Because when I came in AA, they said, hey, listen, brother, you've got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face. And my dilemma was, I thought my face was my ass. <laughs> I had a big image I was protecting. And I mean, and it seemed like there were two different agendas. My ass had one agenda and the face had the other. And God fuck the ass. Who cares? I just want to look good dying slowly. You know what I mean? At least I have a nice looking black jeans and some tacks on me. But I'm talking about I'm, I'm cool in my demise. <laughs> what an insane thing. But this is the mutation of the mental state. It's all making shit up. That's the dilemma. No one really has a touchstone to gauge or judge spiritual practices and, and movements 
We don't. We don't really have a, a touch tone. And most of the people that the religions are based on never started them to begin with. Yeah. So these, we don't have a touch tone, so anything goes. Basically, they can just fucking offer anything and say, this is it. So someone's treating you terribly, but it's, it's sewed into the thing as part of the process. Like a lot of the gurus I knew, it was basically do as I say, not as I do. Because they were fornicating with stewardesses and doing coke. I was supposed to be doing service all day. You know what I mean? Something was wrong, in a sense. You know? Well, they had this thing called Leela, the divine play. So basically, whatever the person who's the senior authority does, it's, it's all in the fabric of you getting awake. But what you do is against the fact <laughs> And people buy it. Did you ever see that? Oh, I better not. I'm getting excited. My opinions are seeping into the mess. I'm told that. It's not good. I'll be punished by the download today. You stepped, your, you stepped over the line today, Paul. No one wants to hear your opinions. So yeah, that's it. Any questions today? Sure.